Welcome to HR in the Car with Miriam Duchesne and Tom Shin of Alant Workforce Solutions, where exciting HR professionals and business leaders share laughter, insider stories, and maybe even a few tears about HR in today's world. Buckle up for the best half hour of your week. I think our next guest is the first employment attorney I ever met when getting into this field. First of all, she's like, a dear, dear friend of mine. I love her immensely, and she gives great support for our office at Alant. And so for that, I'm always eternally grateful. The thing I've always loved about her is her dry wit and sarcasm and sense of humor. It just cracks me up. So I'm so excited to have her join us today. Yeah, you never see it coming. Nope, you don't. Let's listen into Joan Marie Dowling joining us on HR in the Car. So Joan Marie, welcome. I am well, so you. glad that you have joined us today. You, of course, are one of my favorite people. Mine too. Thank you. Back at ya. And um, we've known each other, oh hell, 15 oh, plus work years. Yeah, it's, it's, prob- been, almost cl- it's probably almost 20. I think so too. Yeah. Not that we're aging ourselves at all. No. No, no. not at all. We were infants when we were... Definitely. Somebody said to me the other day something about, oh, so you you started when you were four. I'm like, yeah, that's right. I was gifted. (laughs) (laughs) The Mozart of recruiting. Right, there you go. So Joe Marie, tell us what you do. Like if you're at a cocktail party, what what do you need? I mean, you can tell the obvious, I'm a labor attorney, but do you like have any fun with it? Like when you're at like a social event, when people ask, oh, nice to meet you, what do you do? So it's really funny because you you said a cocktail party. So I'm assuming this is not like a professional event. But I'm actually known in our office for picking up business in the weirdest places. So like one of the weirdest places where I picked up a client was at a funeral. Tell us more, please. Um, so I, I want to laugh. I really do. I know it's terrible. It's terrible. And and it's to wonderful. be fair, it wasn't. It wasn't just me. But I was talking with someone in the line. Actually, it was like right before the funeral. They had the the wake beforehand, and we were kind of standing and 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 talking about how we knew the deceased. And I mentioned I was an attorney, and the 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 decedent was as well. And uh, we just got to chatting and uh, yeah, I got a, I got a business card. Actually, I got two. Um, but one, one was, well, one was a, a, a professional contact of a, of a different type. But so It's not like you were so, passing out business cards at a car crash funeral or anything no, like that. No, 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 no. My, I, I don't want my face on a bus. I'm not, you know, doing I'm just wondering about the lines, guilt that's going back and forth during this conversation. Should I? Should, mm. You know, here's the thing, though, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be delicate. Uh, for, but, but the decedent was very much a networker. And I think that they would have been very touched by the fact that networking uh, we was were, going on. It was continuing to happen. You know, it's the cycle of life. So, if you wind up being, uh, you know, ho- hopefully this is a long time off, and maybe you'll be retired by then. But if you're at my funeral or wake, and a business opportunity presents itself, I'm just telling you, you're. You're all we have good. the green light. Yeah, absolutely. Bring some business cards. I can imagine I'm probably the first guest that's given you that kind of express permission. This um, is a new networking I, tips. I mean, <laughs> I have, I've not, did not ever gotten a, no, ways to network. Right. You know, a professional event, an association, a chamber event, funeral. <laughs> You know what? There is there is always opportunity out there, and that's one of the reasons why I really I became an entrepreneur. 
So I started Dowling Law 11 years ago. Yep. It's a labor and employment boutique firm, 11 years. I know it's hard to imagine. And then really during the pandemic, we launched Clarity HR Solutions, which is an HR consulting group. And I mean, I really think of myself as an entrepreneur. That's really like who I am at my core. And I just happened to to do that as an employment law and HR strategist. Yeah. So that's really what we do. We help our clients to develop policies and processes, employee relations strategies throughout the employee life cycle from recruiting and screening and hiring all the way through uh, to termination of employment. We represent entities that get sued or who have administrative complaints like the EEOC or New York State or U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, or but that's protect really what we do. people from having those complaints and those lawsuits brought up against them if the employer is smart, yep. a.k.a. Alant calls Joan Marie often just to say, all right, we might have a situation coming. Please advise us now so that we don't do it wrong and then have to be calling you going, we effed up, help. Sure. No, I mean, that's really where we love to be. Yeah, uh, if I'm being honest, um, we really like to work with organizations from the very beginning to help. You know, no organization can avoid a claim altogether just through preventative uh, work. I, I don't think, but we're I think able to um, really reduce those. I think, and now also to you know help organizations get in and out more quickly. So when yeah. you have good processes, policies, procedures, you can. Um, show the agencies that you're really a good actor, it, it really does help a lot. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So talk to us a little bit more about the clarity piece. You know, you said that you started that around the pandemic and how that's going for you, what sort of things you're seeing on that front, most challenging or interesting things. Wink, wink, nod, nod, give us a story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, I, one of the reasons why I really wanted to start clarity is because of our focus at Dowling and being really proactive, we found a lot of clients were coming to us. They were looking for um, that preventative support. And I think a lot of organizations really struggle in HR. It's a really sophisticated thing. It touches a lot of different areas. Um, and a lot of organizations don't really understand what it can can bring. And we really wanted to bring a strategic element uh, to that. Um, so we, um, in our hiring, look um, for folks who have a little bit more experience, um, who can really help bring that to the, the table. And, and really, ultimately, the... Uh, you know, the, the challenge is um, making sure that you have the kind of strategic assistance that you need, even if you only have an HR party of one. I, I have to say, with Clarity being as new as it is, we don't have any salacious stories uh, so much. We've been developing a lot of policies and procedures and- uh, To avoid them. All of those <laughs> things, right? Maybe to avoid uh, some of those things, a lot of uh, training as well. But we're really excited about it because um, it, you know, having the law firm and the, um, the HR consulting business allows the lawyers to be lawyers and the HR consultants to be HR consultants. I think there's so much pressure um, on HR consultants to be essentially legal compliance officers. Um, and they don't get to do some of the things that they really need and want to do. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing employee relations issues 
just front page all the time in these stories with unionization and Me Too and mm-hmm. um, remote work challenges and all of these different things. And I think part of it is because, you know, HR has had to be so focused on legal compliance. It hasn't had an opportunity really to think about as much of um, some of the HR strategies of investing in people and understanding your culture and developing the kind of culture that you're looking for. So we're excited um, to uh, to have both together. Although I will say, you know, some of our legal clients work with different HR consulting businesses and some of our HR consultant clients work with other law firms. So, and we like that as well. It keeps uh, keeps everything fresh. So I had no freaking clue when I was in high school what the hell I wanted to be when I grew up. I had no path. And it's not for being flighty or just whatever. I just... I hadn't been exposed to things that excited me at that point in my life. So did you always want to be an attorney or how did you get into this field? Yeah, so it's funny. I always kind of joke and you, I think you'll all appreciate this is that a lot of people pick their careers using the Sesame Street model. Uh, who are the people, people in, in your my neighborhood? neighborhood? Oh right? my God. Now yes. the song's stuck I, in my head. I, right? I say that all the time. <laughs> right, so, so who are the people in my neighborhood? Um, I have an aunt whose name is Joan Marie, Aww. and she's an attorney, Aww. right? I have other family members, some who are in the military service, um, you know, folks who are doing varieties of different things. We have a lot of folks who are priests and religious in our family. Hmm. Um, so naturally, I decided to become a nun, <laughs> right? Um, and I got as far as- Are you as, serious? I, I oh am God, dead serious. Oh my God, I thought you were joking. You're I, serious? You, uh, you were gonna be a nun? Yeah, so I was actually- <laughs> Shut up. So I was actually uh, just a step before a pre-postulant. So there's, you know, <laughs> pre-postulant, postulant, oh, good novice, oh, good and then board. right, yeah. So I was, uh, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was signed up for a year, and then I wound up moving to Albany to work with this Catholic outreach group, and things kind of went downhill from there. <laughs> Was now that because I'm picturing of Joe Marie and like <laughs> the we, sound of music right, that they have. Yes. I know, oh man. Julie Andrews rocks it. Oh you know? my yeah. God. Joe Marie, I never so, knew that about you. I'm not allowed to so people happy. do. It's right. I just, I, I actually, it was like, I know I'm going to get a question. I'm going to tell the story. So here it is. I'm, I'm out. You heard it here first. So how did Albany, this, you know, terrible Albany, influence your decision to walk away from? From Being that, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't quite that, and it certainly wasn't Albany. I was working with a group that works with the homeless, doing amazing work in this area, uh, actually. But it was really tough for me to adjust. I came from Alabama. That's that's where I went to uh, we to undergrad. You. Uh, roll Tide, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Even even despite their recent performance, roll tide. Uh, you got to be you got to be true to your school. But so I came to to Albany, and I didn't know a lot of people, and I found it really a difficult transition. Mm. Um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school, which meant that I wasn't then moving forward because there's like a whole process yeah. that you go through yeah. in nun school. Uh, it's, they, it's, it's not it's not really nun school, <laughs> like, but you know what I mean. That's not what they call it. But yes, so I actually had a conversation. I said, it just doesn't feel like it's the right time. And then I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go to med school. I don't deal well with blood. You know, I was just trying to figure out what to do. I could go get an advanced social work degree because that was my undergrad. 
And I decided to go to law school because I was like, you know, a lot of people think that they can be social workers without a social work degree, which I still think is a travesty to those who are really, you know, who mm. really are passionate and, and, and educated in, in social work and in related fields. But I was like, most people do not think uh, that they can be their own lawyer. I mean, now I guess actually a lot of people do think well, that's what YouTube's for, lawyer. right? Right, exactly. And and you can you can go online and uh, and download something, right? But but at the time, the inter- the internet wasn't quite uh, well, at least as much of a thing as it is now. So I I decided to go to law school really at a default, and it turned out like years later I heard this uh, radio report, and they said that's how most lawyers become lawyers is that they hmm. decide that they want to do something professionally, and they rule out engineering and medicine and all sorts of other things. But but it's been great. I love being a lawyer. I really do. I mean, it's been a tremendous opportunity for me. I love the people that we we work with. I love our clients. We have great clients. Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you always want to be in employment? No, I didn't actually. So I thought about being an estates attorney and and now I just like, oh my gosh, what a lack of insight that was because I'm like, do you know what estates attorneys do? I don't know, but it involves a lot of paperwork and tax. And that is, that sounds like death to me. I mean, God bless the people who do it, right? Well, I mean, it actually (laughs) makes good sense, right? There you go. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, it would be maybe a figurative death. So I wound up um, becoming an employment lawyer because... I went to a firm and they kind of had a listing of everything that they did. And they were like, you know, you need to rate the things that you're really interested in. And they gave me a printout. And I was like, oh, all of this is employment uh, and NCAA work. Um, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't wind up getting that. I never wound up going to, uh, to that office. I wanted but, to be a litigator. I had, yeah. I had entertained going to law school. And one of the things was, oh, I could soup. I could be like, you know, LA law was popular at the time. Yeah. I'm dating myself, but yeah. I mean, that was- Be Harry Hamlin. Right. right? Jimmy and Smith. And that's actually a really very accurate- You went with Harry accurate. Hamlin, did you? I did. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is totally, like, that's like a documentary when it comes to being a litigator. Just, just watch that show. Yeah. yeah. You had the big quaff of hair. Right. And, you know. Right. Well, yeah. okay. That makes more sense now. <laughs> Shush. I put that on myself. It's getting uncomfortable. So what are you doing a lot of these days? So in terms of, you know, is there a trend? Is there something that, you know, employer beware that this is, you're seeing more of this, um, this inquiry into your office or this, you know, this, this thing happening that employers maybe want to be careful of? I, I wouldn't say necessarily be careful of this, but I will say we are doing a lot of workplace investigations a lot. Really? Um, Yeah. And I think it's actually a good thing because I think a lot of organizations are appropriately communicating that they're really interested in hearing about these things. I always, when I'm giving presentations, I'll talk about, you know, we want to address things when they're little monsters, not when they're big monsters. So I think people are coming forward more with the, the workplace concerns. And I think a lot of organizations are either looking for supportive help because they have in-house investigators and they're looking for additional support or they don't have that expertise in-house. And so we're doing a lot of them. I actually have three going on right now. Oh my goodness. So it's a huge part actually of the work that we've been doing, I would say, since the Me Too movement really, really started. I hear that Mm -hmm. as a good thing though from from what you're saying and that employers are recognizing, I might have something really wrong here and I want to fix it. 
right? I want to make sure that I address it, nip it in the bud, take care of it versus... Uh, somebody did something, can you make it go away? Right. I mean, it's a lot about information gathering, not making any kind of assumption as you walk in what might be the issue and spending some time with people um, really to try to help assess what's going on and then to craft a, a solution to that. You know, if a kid can't ride a bike, you need to know why. Like you can say, go practice more, but if the tire's flat... <laughs> Practicing Mm -hmm. more is not going to work. And um, so a lot of times what we find is employees know that there's a problem. They don't necessarily have the vocabulary or all of the information to help them diagnose what's going on, but they need some help. And I'm really appreciative of the opportunity and the trust that people have in us to come in to understand better what's going on and to help them formulate some solutions to that. So we're seeing a lot of that work. We're also seeing an uptick in in legal claims externally. Fortunately, mostly with newer clients uh, than, than those we've been working with for a long time. But I do think that people are more quick to file. I think more plaintiff's attorneys are picking up cases. So we're seeing uh, more represented parties. If the economy um, does go into a recession, I think we're going to continue to see that tends to be the trend. Interesting. So, I mean, it's a good time then to double down, make sure that you have, you know, good processes in place, that people have places to go if they have concerns. Quite honestly, that you're addressing any supervisory issues. I was just going to say, and making sure that messaging goes all the way down to the front line so that everybody knows what's at stake, what the responsibility is, what could happen if something doesn't follow the plan, when somebody goes rogue. Yeah, I think a lot of it is about a root cause analysis. It's funny that a lot of people come to us and say this this employee is acting out in particular ways and they want to address that issue and we're we're happy to help work them through that. But it is not uncommon that we'll say what's going on with the supervisor. Um mm-hmm. and they'll they'll find that there's an issue there as well. Um they're trying to deal with one at a time and sometimes you have to, but but going to the root, going to the source of what is it? that's causing us to have this issue, especially if you're having repeated cultural issues. Mm -hmm. Those don't happen in a vacuum. And when you look at the root causes, you can start to see what are those, what are those factors that are encouraging these behaviors that we're not looking for? And how do we change that to get the result that we are looking for? So many things come to mind. (laughs) I'm wondering about the more, you know, when you get the call and your, your initial response or Maggie's initial response are, are you kidding me? No comment. (laughs) I can tell there's a story whipping around your head. I can't share this. I think there are probably so many stories that are coming, going through my head that it's it's hard even to uh, have all of them come out at once. I, I did have a situation where someone was suing one of our clients, and then I was talking to another client and found out that the client had hired that same person. Um, and they were just working their way through. Um, so that's right. Mm. Um, we have had um, that kind of situation happen before. The serial um, employee, right? Which you know, we there's you know, from an ethics perspective, we can't share that kind of information. Um, except we can we can say it's really important for you to do a quality background check and assessment <laughs> of of any candidates. Don't don't rush that process. No, um, definitely don't rush, don't that rush this, but yeah, absolutely. Check to make sure that all the dates match up. 
Um, so look at those LinkedIn That's profiles. That's one of the big and, red flags. You know, yeah. we see it in, in our reference, you know, and we use Alliance for our purposes. And it's interesting to see when you actually know who's at play or you can kind of follow the timeline and, and things just don't align and you start asking questions and then the candidate gets all squirrely. Like missing a year off, you know, from 10 years ago. Okay, I get it to some degree. I'm good with numbers, so I don't give as much latitude, but people get real squirrely and they're, they're, there's the telling features. And then all of a sudden, poof, they disappear. Yeah. You never hear from them again. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned the entrepreneurship side of you. I'm curious, is there a third business venture here coming down the pike <laughs> or in your dream state? <laughs> Uh, there are. We're we're hoping to have an announcement for 2023. Uh, oh, and, really? <laughs> and maybe even 2024. Um, we actually have two business lines that we're developing now. You heard so, it here first on HR right. in the Car. I'll come back and talk about it. Our serial entrepreneurs, ex-nun <laughs> employment <laughs> attorney. <laughs> It. Well, you know, when you get through all the people who match those characteristics, you can come back to me because I'm sure that there are just a ton of us yeah, in the market. Exactly. Absolutely. I think the nun piece would probably rule out like 90% of them, but I'm you never know. I'm still like laughing inside because I was like, I know, and we've known each other how long? And I never do that at all. So now, have amazing. you ever dressed up as a nun for <laughs> Halloween? No, I have not actually. There's a little hesitation there. No. <laughs> she was thinking, she was making sure. No, I, I was going to say, I well, in full disclosure, I did dress up as a priest one year. Okay. Um, so, but that um, might get me into trouble in some circles. That was a long, long time ago. Very long time but, ago. Yeah. And there's no proof because we are of the generation where there wasn't social media and there, really there wasn't cell phones with video and pictures. Plausible, Thank God. Plausible deniability on that one. Uh, yeah. Don't Great. tell the Pope. Uh, <laughs> So as we wrap up today, HR in the car always wants to know what is in your roadside assistance kit? You know, it's, it's funny. I would say that it's actually a philosophy. Mm, and, and that is from one of my favorite recent shows, uh, Ted Lasso. <gasps> Hit I'm me, baby. Just such a Please tell huge me. Lasso fan. Oh my God, I know. Huge. And what I would say is the, the thing that I really appreciate about Ted is that he understands that he's not in the football business, that he's in the people, people business. business. And I really appreciate his desire to develop people um, and his ability to really be genuine in that and have that come across. And, you know, I won't ruin it for those who haven't seen it, but you, you really need to start binging that right now. If you have right not seen Ted Lasso, please, for the love of God and all things that are good in this world, you must watch this show. You know what? Email me yeah. um, and you can come to the office yeah. and we'll just watch it. Let's do one it. Right after. Uh, yeah. uh, let's do it. Let's have no. a Ted Lasso watching party because I'm, I'm there. We could have Lasso lunches. <gasps> I just Lasso trademarked something. I think you might it's have just- It's in recording. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh, and it's so amazing. funny. So um, for me, I was like, oh, this is going to be the dumbest show ever. Yeah. yeah. And then my husband's like, let's give it a chance. And then I was like, oh my God, this is like my favorite show. I love I, it so much. I so really back to the do. question, I what really are you do. bringing in your kit? But it's, it's this Lasso mentality. It's okay. this, it's, you know, it's this spirit 
uh, of Ted. And the reason why I think is because you never know if we're going to take this metaphor out for a drive. You never know what's going to hit you when you're out there. And what you need to have more than anything is the willingness to pick up those tools and, and do what needs to get done. And I think part of that is really making sure that you come in with a positive attitude, that you're you're working to, to try to support people. I think so many of the things that we're seeing, the stress around remote work, the Me Too movement, I think unionization, so many of these different things that are coming out that concerns about toxic work environment, all of that really stems from employees feeling like their supervisors do not have their best interests at heart. Yep. And I think that um, that is something, that is a tool we try to bring um, every day so that regardless of what happens, you know, we hope that, that people are going to know that our employees for us are going to know and that for our clients that they're going to know um, that we're really working to their best interests. You know, you can have many tools working on different things, but ultimately for, for me, that's the, that's, the, that's the key. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and I think, you know, to that point, at least now, these last couple of years, the employees now feel they can vocalize it, either through action or words, and actually make some change. So. Right, and that, but I think part of it is responding with the right intention to be listening, to try to figure out how to address the underlying need, and really to be able to speak to that. Because a lot of the times when we're hearing things like toxic work environment, it's such a big, broad mm. Concern. It, it could really just be one person. It could person. be anything. Yeah. It, it really takes a, a willing, a willingness to listen. And quite honestly, it sounds weird to, for an employment lawyer to be saying this, but an open heart to be so able you're to- you're saying lawyers don't have hearts? We don't have open hearts. <laughs> um, you, you, have to, you have to turn that in the first week of law school. Um, they take, take they it take out of, your, put it right. in the box? No, exactly right. I had to sue to get mine back. Um, but no, you, ha, you know, we're not known for being particularly supportive, warm, empathetic people. Especially coming out um, of the nunnery. Right. No, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to live this down. Never. I'm so never. excited. <laughs> this is the best. Joan Marie, thank you so much for being part of our show. We're so thrilled to have you here. This new stories tops the cake. Absolutely. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you. Holy cow. The reaction on both of our faces at her origin story are priceless. If this was on video, you would have been laughing hysterically. I mean, I couldn't even take it. I was dying about how she started as a nun. I have known her, we figured it out. It's like 20 years. And this has never come up before in my life, talking with her about this. We talk about everything. It was so amazing and fascinating for me. Again, she's talking, when we were talking about like, you know, work stuff, we were talking about things that employers need to hear about. Workplace investigations are increasing. People are becoming more vocal. Employers need to take notice that the tides are changing and employees need to be taken care of. Right. And, and she's a great person to talk to about having that first line of defense, which is being prepared for things. You may not catch everything, but 
knowing what could happen and what you've covered already will put you in a better position to respond to anything that comes up. And it just shows your employees that you're trying to do things right not just to protect yourself, but to protect them as the organization. Definitely. So to learn more about Joan Marie, you can go to our show notes on our website, alot.com. We'll have um, Joan Marie's information, link to her website for her businesses. And thanks again for listening to HR in the Car. 